previously on Hedged In, a Changeling Story. This big, probably a story tall slab of Labradorite. And when you really concentrate, you can kind of see different places at each reflection. Uh, a memory of something useful? A, a memory of something useful, or well, a memory you might find useful. I know I'm not gonna find it much useful much for much longer. I'm gonna reach into my shirt and rip off some chain necklace something or other that I've been carrying around and I'm gonna hand it to her and say but I will be back. You can count on that. I keep moving but if you do not stay still they cannot find you. Hi, I'm Dan and I play Kit and we both use he slash him. Hello, my name is Vita, he him pronouns, and I will be playing Crunch, they them, the elemental mannequin. Hey, I'm Catherine. My pronouns are she and her. I play an ogre farwalker named Gil, who uses he and him. And I'm VJ, she her, your storyteller for Hedged In. <laughs> When we first come to this piece, we're going to take a couple of steps back where you guys are walking through the floating gemstone desert Mm -hmm. and Crunch is flipping through the journal, reading pieces, and they come upon this entry. This entry is written in a flowing cursive script, very different than the strong all lower caps that some of the more scientifically written entries feel like. Mm Mm-hmm. And I kind of imagine Nugget maybe sitting on your shoulder, sort of peering at the book, and you, well, maybe your crunch is reading this under their breath or something. Together we would become a motley three times, each more poignant than the last. Each were special and perfect, but also messy and complicated, because that's how life works. The first time our names were wrapped around our wrists in glamour, then in iron, and finally in gold. Josefina was our driver and strength, and frankly each one of us loved her for that. Before we came together, each of us were lost. Each of us wandering, but together, together the thorns and brambles seemed tameable, the fae stoppable, and our personal demons conquerable. The first time I met Fina, she exploded through the mirror at James's bar. Covered in scratches and looking worse for wear, she approached us almost feirally, and then collapsed. The story of how she escaped the hedge and how she came through the mirror was one that took a long time to tell. Still, I think all three of us fell in love with her that day. Yes. She was adorable. Who couldn't? Wait, I was writing about motleys. Motleys are the first defense against the gentry and the keepers. We pledge ourselves to ourselves, and the weird listens. We lend each other our strengths. We lend each other our knowledges. We lend each other our dreams. Together we have power and security. Together we become friends and sometimes even family. Together we can take on the world and win. Alone, we fall. How 
how did you meet Robert? So Gil spends a lot of time just wandering. So I think he met Robert sometime after the first time the keeper would have caught him, caught Gil. But like it's it's been a while since he got loose again, you know, so you could like calm back down and, and function. Probably ran into Robert in some kind of situation of distress. He fell down a hole or he got his shirt tangled on the thorns or he climbed a tree for some reason and can't get back down. And I assume they've been together, like traveling together, like me time being relative, like, I don't know, a, a week, more than a day, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We'll make Robert a lurk glider. Okay. Sort of go with the cryptid thing. Raised among the twisted treetops of the Arcadian forest, or the spires of places lost in the dark storm clouds, the lurk gliders are at home watching from the shadows far above. So I'm thinking Robert is this small but chunky guy, has maybe like little wing vestiges and mm-hmm. big eyes. He looks like, like a living gargoyle. Okay. Maybe less like stone, but more like man bat. Okay. So kind of nervous, kind of kind of shy, but the two of you seem to have made a rapport where you're both in the darkest woods. That is where your section of the hedge is called. It's called the darkest woods. The darkest woods is a is a area of the hedge with intensely dense trees. It's almost too close together where the foliage completely encapsulates the sky. Not that in Robert's own words, it's ever anything but night here in the darkest woods. It's a great place to hide, but both the hidden and the hunted are there. It's also Arcadia, and Arcadia is shitty. Yeah. So Robert, I think, likes to climb up trees and perch up high and then sort of swoop back down to talk to you and then climbs up them again. The two of you bebopping around the woods in in your attempt to stay hidden. Kill, kill, kill. Think, I think I saw something, but I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure. But I, so do you think, Gil, we should, we should go check it out? Cause like, I don't know. They seem like in a rough lot, but like, I, I feel bad. Cause like you helped me out, Gil, and got me, got me, got me this far. So I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to, like, leave them, but I'm also like... Well, if they are in trouble, we should check on them. And if they are trouble, we should know so that they can't follow us. Okay, okay. Let me, let me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go up the tree, and then I'm gonna check it out, and then I'll call if it's, if it's good. Does that, does that sound good? Does that, does that, does that work? Bueno. Robert sort of... He climbs up a tree to investigate. Kind of does it with like his fingernails, scratches his way up the tree, and then just sort of does this like run on a branch and hop and glide, and then hop and glide, and like like scurries off into the darkness. And Gil has a moment where he's all alone in the woods. How does Gil feel right now? What is what is Gil's sort of mental state? Do you think mixed? Um, in that no nobody really wants to be alone in the woods, especially, I suppose, in the hedge. But also, Gil has always been very self-reliant, and the hedge has also been very thorough in teaching that, you know, sometimes it is better to be alone because uh, nobody could hurt you if nobody else is there. Even though he likes Robert well enough, you know, Gil's getting used to traveling by himself for long periods, so there's that weird, like, kind of introvert moment of like, yes, they're gone, but also like, no, I'm alone. Which is 
fair, because I feel like Robert's the kind of guy that wants to be around people, because Robert has been in such a place where, in his space in Arcadia, he was separated from people. So, like, he wants to be close to them, but also, like, doesn't want to scare them. Yeah. So, are you cautiously sort of just following Robert, or are you staying and waiting? Like, what's, what's, Gil's, what's Gil's plan here? Gil will wait for like a minute, maybe two, and then if Robert hasn't come back, uh, start to track him as best he can. Cool. Because Robert said he was going to go check it out, and so ideally he would then come back and like relay something. Okay. Go ahead and make me a perception check. One success. Awesome. You're sitting there and you're waiting. It almost gets to this uncomfortable feeling of waiting. Like it's he's taking too long. Mm-hmm. And once you get that feeling, what do you do? Do you still wait or do you go? I think cautiously go. Okay. So paint me the word picture of Gil heading towards the scene. So he watched as best he could where, like, which direction Robert went and and how he was moving through the trees. So Gil's going to stay on the ground for now, but move kind of along that path. Follow those trees moving, probably, like, like move to the next tree, kind of watching up and then check his surroundings on his level and then move to the next tree and, and repeat, trying to keep an eye out for anything up above, you know, in case it's Robert or in case something went wrong, but also not wanting to get jumped down on his level. You walk into what you wouldn't call a clearing because it's not really clear. It's more like one of these columns of trees took out other columns and created almost an amphitheater of fallen debris where you see Robert sort of gripped onto the upper side of the amphitheater, injured and quiet, and another changeling looking with eyes that are too big and too bright and an expression of hunger. And you recognize that they're a lot more like you than they are Robert, but they're also remarkably unsafe. They're a cyclops, so they only have one large eye. Hmm. It sounded like this new changeling is focused on Robert. Yeah, Robert is sort of gripped to the top of the amphitheater, and this, this cyclops is trying to grab at him. And, and it looks like, judging by some of the blood on the cyclops's hands and the scratches on Robert's back, he's not been completely unsuccessful, but not great. Okay, so Gil is thinking that Robert probably can't sneak away from this guy. So he needs a distraction. Best way to be distracting that doesn't get me immediately killed. While the Cyclops is is swiping for Robert, the Cyclops growl in a deep, dark voice. Come down, little man. I'm going to eat you. And then I'll get through the wall. Okay, I'm gonna. That's gonna be fun to listen to later. Is there anything Gil cannot like climb, but like some way to get somewhat above the Cyclops? Kind of with the idea of jumping down onto it. One of the, that seems to be more of a trick of Robert because of being a lurk glider, that he has that, that high athletics and skill in climbing with his fingernails get up the tree. Otherwise, the, the trees in the darkest wood are like columns of stone almost more than trees. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm, I'm thinking you said that this like quote unquote clearing was created because like one tree fell. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking 
depending on where the Cyclops is, maybe getting up on the fallen tree and just sort of jumping at it that way. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, no, that, that works. Perhaps I explained it right. Like, I don't want to climb up anything. I just want to be like some, like, I need a one foot tall brick wall to stand on. Fair enough. Go ahead and make me a strength athletics. Three successes. You very deftly boulder over up some of these fallen trees around the other ogre. You also make me a dex stealth check. Two successes. You manage to keep quiet. Let's see if, let's do Robert first, see if he sees anything. Nope, he doesn't know you. He has bigger problems. And neither does neither does the Cyclops, from as much as you can tell. Is the Cyclops notably notably bigger than me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you sort of are crawling up the trees around the backside of the amphitheater, you are overwhelmed by the smell of dried blood. That this might not be the first one that the Cyclops has eaten. Ew. Okay. Because I'm imagining him half again the size of Gil, twice as big as Gil, something in... Probably about twice as big as Gil. As you are walking up, you're just... The Cyclops has a much larger... It's not really presence because that's not the right word. It's... They have a higher weird. Mm-hmm. I gathered that. I was just looking at physically, you know, I'm yeah. picturing the little scene. Probably the giant merit. Okay. Has Robert or the Cyclops done anything while Gil is climbing about? No, uh, Robert is currently... Alright, alright. It's okay, Robert. Like, maybe, maybe Gil just left. But it's okay. It's alright. It's alright. I just gotta climb up. Climb up the amphitheater. And, uh, it's gonna be okay. And from down below... Come and I want to eat you. You can sort of hear the scratches of Robert trying to crawl up Mm -hmm. over the amphitheater. Then when you poke your head over, you see that there is a there's a fourth person here. Well, here and person maybe being the wrong. It was a person. It looks like a corpse, like an actual one. Yeah, it looks like something dead and eaten a little bit. Maybe a lot of it. Oh, okay. Fun. Fun, fun. All right, what do you do? As the Cyclops makes another grabbing and just manages to rake a little bit on the back of Robert's back. And Robert does a little like, Arr, Arr. Okay. Just focus. Just focus. Just focus, Robert. It's, it's going to be okay. Gil is going to, I think, launch is the correct word. Himself, if he's high enough up or tall enough, slam into the, the Cyclops's between his shoulder blades kind of area, or as high up as Gil can get. Maybe knock him off balance or pull his attention or something. Go ahead and make me a strength athletics. Go ahead and remove two dice for his defense. Ah, oh, it's a botch. Oh, snap. <laughs> fucking miss entirely. Oh, snap. So you, what's more tragic? You are prepared to jump and just be like, no. And then you slip and you fall backwards. At this point, Robert hears you and goes, kill? Just loosens enough on the, on the top of the amphitheater that the Cyclops reaches up and you hear the bone crushing when when he like reaches around one of Robert's arms and pulls as you fall backwards off the back of the amphitheater and land. Okay, go ahead and take two bashing as you fall off the back of the amphitheater. Okay. You hear 
clearly Robert scream and then just a very messy crunching noise and then the scream stops. After landing, Gil would scramble in that direction, either up or around or whatever way gets him to the Cyclops fastest. Mm -hmm. And what does he see? Well, the Cyclops is... I I feel bad about this, Catherine, because I'm realizing (laughs) that, like, you get stuck with all of the mastication, like, things eating things they shouldn't eat (laughs) parts of the podcast. Well... Gil's tough. He can take it. <laughs> he has mental toughness. He sees this. It's like, I see this a lot. <laughs> or at least he fakes it very well. <laughs> we'll find out later. We'll find out later. Uh, you see the other changeling that the Cyclops has started to eat. And then you see, like, the very dead Robert being eaten. There's just this nice chunk of arm ripped off. And the Cyclops is just kind of eating it like a chicken wing. <laughs> that's such no. a, that's such a terrible thing to say. The PETA people approve greatly of that description. Ah, <laughs> oh, this would okay. be great. It's like, ew, VJ, this is a terrible <laughs> podcast. Uh, welcome to episode five, where people get eaten like four. chickens. <laughs> four. Episode four, thanks <laughs> for all the memories. Gil's probably going to, because he's this is when he's younger, I guess, get really like angry because he doesn't have any sense yet, and run at the Cyclops and I guess punch him in the knee. I don't know how high up he can reach. How high up can he reach? Well, at this point, the uh, Cyclops is eating its second meal. Um, okay, he has a defensive two. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and make your attack roll with minus two dice. Okay, so it's not a bot, but he didn't succeed. Okay, so you just seem to sort of hit him, and then he just sort of turns around, looks at you with that one far too wide eye with, you know, just the blood dripping down his face. Gonna, He's going to use a presence intimidation. So go ahead and roll me composure and tell me how many successes you get. Because he wants you to leave him the fuck alone because he wants to eat. I get two successes. Well, you feel that moment of bravery. And then you hear the marrow being sucked out of your friend's bones. Because he had four successes. Like, it just like ripping tendons out and slurping them down. Run or you're next. So since I failed, do I have to run? Or can I just kind of like stumble backward? He successfully intimidated you because he he got more successes, but you didn't fail. So story-wise, it's up to you. Okay, I think Gil is going to fall on his butt. That is most unnerving. I kind of like that kind of backwards sort of guttling that they love in horror films. And he probably bumps into the body of the first unfortunate changeling. We're so mean to my character. And so if possible, he's going to grab the skull and like just wing it at the Cyclops. There's still a part of him that's angry, but it's, it's also very frightened. Okay, Dex Athletics, we won't give you any pluses or minuses since this is a remarkably improv weapon. I got one success. Okay, you managed to hit him with the skull. I suppose he doesn't give a damn. This is like, he just goes, <sighs> That was the appetizer. You might be the dessert. I'm trying to think. 
because he like the rational part of his mind is like robert's dead and not actually your friend but the human part of his mind is like we do not support cannibalism stop that make me a composure check that's just straight composure, right? Yep, straight composure. Minus one, because of what he is. Oh, I got one success. Okay, you can fight the ogre. You will not win against this. You you have the full ability to make the rational thought. You're not just going to go into fight or flight. What is Gil's vice? Pride. And what is your virtue? Temperance. The temperance part of your virtue is going, this isn't the time to take this on. That allowing yourself to just go into the rage and and lash out is not actually going to save your friend or not friend who is already gone. But I'm not your character. I can't. No, no, no. That would that would make sense, and that would probably resonate with like something that went wrong, like back in back in the real world, you know, where you have you know a, a shootout or something that didn't go right, and the you know the cops show up, and so you have to just get out of there because you know it's just going to get worse if you stay. And I'm thinking mixed with with Gil kind of realizing that he now has like dead people on his hand because he threw someone's skull would be enough to get him to just, like, bolt. And so Gil runs into the darkness, into the darkest forest, and there's just this menacing... (sighs) As the darkness creeps in. is feeling these things and seeing these things as if it is happening to them, but they're also really aware that it isn't. First, you start off in an infirmary. Wait, no. You're in crossings. No. Well, ants infirmary. They're sleeping figures in most of the cots. Some are just recuperating, though far too many are injured. The last hunt took a lot out of everyone, and just how much more could they take? Then you see them, napping at their desk, red locks of hair droped over one shoulder, and their doctor's masks set aside. They work too hard. This has to stop. But for right now, we have this moment, the singular moment, that maybe isn't perfect, and maybe isn't the right time for this, but it is the time that we've got to do this. You kiss the back of their head, startling them awake and earning a punch to the gut. <coughs> nice job there, Aunt. <clears throat> Aunt looks so embarrassed, but with the candlelight dancing across their face, so, so very beautiful. I'm, I'm Kristoff. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, that was an accident. I didn't, Aunt, Aunt, it's, it's fine, I'm okay. <laughs> You sit them back down in their chair and straighten their jacket. They watch confused, but pliant. And then you take a knee in front of them. (sighs) Okay, I'm really bad at this, but... Dr. Antoni Rossi, you are the most important person to me I've ever met. And it would be my greatest honor if, uh... I could take your last name. Oh, wait, no, that could probably be really bad. That, uh, I wasn't thinking... They start to laugh. 
and from behind you, you hear some of the other patients start to giggle. They just smile and hug you deeply. Christoph, you are a moron. But you're my moron. And yes. And then the memory freezes and Crunch is in their own person again, sort of seeming to watch this above a dark and glassy mirror. And you see the image of Ant and Kristoff, and you also see Kristoff himself standing before you, looking maybe a little sheepish. Uh, well, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't the first thing I thought you were gonna see. This first scene is set in the gambler's den, in the casino itself, where you and the rest of Vixen's hand-picked security team are working the blackjack tables. You're not the only team in the casino, but you're Vixen's only team. She's currently out on assignment for the Honest Gambler. Your team consists of Dawson, another clear eyes. She's a chickadee, speaks very quickly, and is a little skittish, but very good at spotting the cheaters at the different tables. Palawan, he's a cold scale. Philippine pond turtle, basically your eye in the sky, and then Mikumi, the runner swift, large giraffe man, big flirt with you, and the two of you tend to be the main patrols, while Palawan tends to focus on the ca- on the cameras, and Dawson works the floors. So we find the two of you walking the blackjack tables, patrolling, patrolling the casino. So the two of you are patrolling. It's reasonably busy. It's not to a manic level of energy yet, but it's nowhere near dead. It's ramping up towards something. There's sort of an anticipation in the air, an anxiety, but nothing too off. There are a couple different factions currently in talks at the casino. So there's Radiance's army, there's some Valkyries, there's some Red Caps. Most of the time, violent, more violent interactions are coming from Radiance army personnel. Mm -hmm. There are some noticeable other instigators, some independents lurking about. Got a couple people on edge, specifically Dawson. She's sort of, she's edging along the sides, like keeping a, like a very sharp eye on things. But Makumi seems really relaxed, really just taking it all in stride. No pun intended. Or very intended. He's, he's got, he's got legs for days. That's how Kit likes him. (laughs) Tall and charming. Well, tall and charming, or short and charming, or alive, really, just... <laughs> or alive, really. I think um, people like Kit because he's charming. <laughs> he's endearing in a very weird way. Anyway. Anyway. Think it's going to be a busy one tonight, McCombs? Ah, you know, it'll be busy. We'll get into some fights. It'll be good fun. Fights with each other or fights with the patron? Probably more the patrons. Okay, that's probably for the best. You remember what happened last time we fought, right? He gives you an up-down look because Kit's pretty scrappy, but he's got claws. I am well aware, Kit. Yeah, I got my ass kicked and I loved it. I'm going to give him a little wink. Kum sort of throws an arm around Kit's shoulders and it just sort of gives him like a friendly but flirty squeeze. I think I think we work better together than against one another. Oh, no doubt about that at all. I am just bored. Over your earpiece, Palawan goes, If the two of you are done flirting, I think there's something going on at table five. I don't know if we've ever stopped flirting, but I'll go check it out anyway. 
Dawson replies to the command with, I'll go up the left side to see. It looks like there's Radiance Army and a couple other influencers at the blackjack table. All right. Dawson, you go to the left. The Coombs, you take the right. And here I am, <laughs> stuck in the middle with you. Coombs, Coombs laughs. Dawson is like, right. So at blackjack table number five, we've got two Radiance Army members, a very large, ogre-ish sort of man, and a charming and elegant fairest wearing dark but sparkly clothing and looks to kill. This suave, sharp-eyed, drinking probably some sort of gin and tonic is, is playing the game very well. The two Radiance Army members are not playing particularly well, although one of them thinks he is. Alright, so the Ferris obviously immediately catches Kit's eye and you get one of those little, I guess, ears perk up like cats do when they're paying closer attention to a thing. Mm -hmm. Gonna go ahead and uh, kick kick and swagger on over there. No, Kit will professionally approach the table because he is a professional and (laughs) realize Kit didn't plan out his first move very well. So he's going to go, <laughs> hi. So wait a minute. Do you like, you're you're not carrying a drink. So you're sort of just cutting between this fairest and the, and the ogre on the other side. In the most awkward, almost intentionally awkward way possible. Yes. The fairest puts down his cards and goes fold and gives you the once over. I kind of imagine him wearing like wicked awesome thigh high boots. Okay. That's canon now. Go ahead. That's canon now. He picks up his drink and sips, goes, how may I help you? I was just wondering what you were drinking. Can I buy you five or six more? He swirls the olive around in the glass and with the toothpick sort of eats it. Ah, damn it. I'm sorry. I just had this great idea where, you know, the whole, uh, um, you know, flirting thing where you can take a cherry stem and tie it with your tongue. Yeah. I kind of want a kit to attempt that with a toothpick and then realize how poorly that goes. (laughs) We'll save that. We'll save that for a different flirting interaction. Okay. All right. I usually like to know the name of my suitors before they proposition me with alcohol. I have usually loudly introduced myself. I now feel very rude. Um, the name's Kit. 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 It's not short for anything, so please don't ask. I go by Levine. That's a stunning name for a stunning Paris. Well, Kit. That is not short for anything. What would you recommend? Ah. For drinks, that is. Oh, well, here you had my mind racing. Um, I'm pretty sure I was going to do a couple more rounds at the table before. Ooh, how about I go fetch you the house specialty? Maybe I'll bring one for myself and I will join you for a few hands. Uh, You don't mind, do you, pal? And I'm just going to, without even turning around, nudge the ogre with my elbow. Levine sort of gives you like a very coy smile and like as the ogre sort of goes <sighs> and like looks, it looks at you. Ooh, actually, make a perception check. I'm rolling what, seven? Yeah, unless you blow glamour, it's not seven this dice. Time. If, it's, if it's potentially getting Kit in danger, Kit's not going to go the extra mile because Kit actually likes to get in the danger before getting out. Kit should have blown glamour. No, um, <laughs> it's eights, nines, and tens, right? Yes. All right, so one. All right, you notice that the ogre looks at you, but also kind of looks to Levine for confirmation. Just a heads up, I'm not looking at the ogre. Oh, okay. I was. I'm doing this all without making eye contact. Kit's being a little rude. 
Got it. Got it. So I'm per- I, I can perceive things from his voice maybe, but not from face. Was there not a seat between the two of them? No, no. Levine was sitting next to the ogre. There's nothing. There's no open seats uh, on either side of Levine. Oh, there's probably yeah. There's probably a seat on the other side of the of Levine from the ogre. Well, so that, I'm not kicking the ogre out. I, if the ogre starts to get up too late, I'll be like, no, no, no. I'll take I'll take the other one. You're fine. You're fine. When you swivel around Levine, he sort of arches back to sort of make sure that he bumps into you. Do I need to make a perception on that move? Because am I potentially like getting something bumped off of my person is all. I'm not really worried about the what their interaction so much as making sure I'm not getting something lifted off of me. Because Kit's been bumped into a lot and knows how this works. Yeah, go ahead and make one more perception check. Uh, still only two. No, no. Like, Levine is just flirting. It's like maximizing skin contact kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, by the way, Kit wasn't swiveling so much as pirouetting. <laughs> Because he's a great dancer. Wow, excellent. Just the best. And uh, Kit will go, oh, pardon, pardon moi. I, uh, I apologize. And I will uh, gently put a hand on the shoulder and then slowly swipe it away as I move towards the bar to go get the drinks. Oh, actually, you know what? No, what better idea. Instead of leaving, I'll look up at, Maku- at uh, Makumi and I'll just uh, do unintelligible hand gestures that start with like two and then just, it doesn't mean anything, just random hand gestures, like as though we have some secret language, but this this is definitely not it. <laughs> I'm assuming he knows what I want because of the mic, but still. Yeah, oh yeah. There's an almost imperceptible eye roll from the dealer who has seen you do this before, and Dawson in your ear goes, okay, that's, not how I would have done it, but that certainly puts your eye on the uh, on the prize there, Kit. And Makumi goes and, and fetches you all drinks. And the dealer deals out cards. So let's make some rules. Alright, go ahead and make me another perception check. I got one success. Are you taking up all of Levine's attention, or are you starting to play the game as well? Oh no, it's I, I am a I am fully focused on Levine. Whether I have all of Levine's attention or not is up to them. I am uh at least for the first couple of hands, kid I'm not trying to win right away. I'll break out my luck powers later when needed. So for the first hand or two it'll be more just Levine. So at the table, the there's the two Radiance members who are just awful at the game. The ogre it seems to just win a bunch, lose a bunch, win a bunch, lose a bunch. Like it's, it, but seems to be keeping consistent. Levine is slowly accruing a pile. Nothing too, too overt, but is very good at the game. Can we test your knowledge of uh, gambling here? Okay. Is this house poker or player poker? Is there, is like... You're betting against the house. Okay, so this probably like some kind of weird five-card table poker, not actually a poker where everyone's playing against each other. This is, uh, I was, uh, blackjack. So 21. Okay, so this is not poker. Where did I hear the word poker from? Because you're working at casino. Well, yeah, but I feel like you mentioned poker at least once. So you'll have to check the tape because that got stuck in my head for some reason. I was excited to break out my poker knowledge, but blackjack is totally fine. Or we can make it like Pi Gow and then neither of us have any idea what's happening. Uh, or like craps, where neither of us know how. I know the general rules of craps, just not how to bet anything. Yeah. So, Kit, how do you enjoy the honest gambler's den? Have you been here long? 
You mean today? Or I uh I've been here for a while, you could say, and um I'm enjoying it. I'm uh I have a good feeling about today. I I've had a little luck, and by the looks of it, so have you. He looks down at the chips and his cards and goes, My patron has been very kind to me while she is off in negotiations. I get to take in the local scenery. I think steals a sip of your drink when he says that. Fair enough. And looks like my luck just got all that much better. And I'm going to attempt to steal a sip of their drink before realizing that the way our faces and hands are laid out, that's not really possible. So Kit accidentally ends up just stealing the straw. All right, go ahead. Let's do another set of perception versus what Levine is rolling. Uh, This time I had three successes on perception. All right. The last hand that went around the table, Levine won very, very well. And the one of the Radiance Army guys just tanked, hardcore tanked. Like that was his last chip. Which one? Which one of the two was it? Gordon. Gordon is the one that has the gambling problem, right? No, I think it's Tom. Staff Sergeant Gordon's more responsible. Tom was the gambling addict. So let let that be like Gordon's last chip because he probably wasn't betting all that much anyway. So Gordon loses his last chip. Doesn't seem all that bothered by it. And it's like, okay, I'm out, Tom. Let, can we go? Can- oh, I'm going to actually interrupt and go, oh, just a couple more hands, Tom, please. I've got a feeling that there's some luck coming up. Just hang in a little while longer. Gordon gives Tom a very long look, but gotten Tom's attention. And I think, I think Levine sort of gives you a very coy look over his glass, but uh, allows the proceedings to continue. So, and I'm going to close my eyes. And you've seen Psych, right? Yeah. Where uh, Sean does a, a, like a weird little psychic freakout thing? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to pull a mini one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my hands are shaking a little bit. I'm like, I think this is my hand. And I'm going to push, I'm going to do the maximum allowed bet. The dealer nods. And I'm going to use my power, obviously. I, I don't think I had to roll for it, right? Or did I? No. Yeah. yeah you, you just spend the glamour. With hearth contracts, you just spend the glamour and have to deal with the consequence. Right. So I'll do that on myself or my cards or however that works. The dealer lays out. It's like 18. How did you know my age? Oh, cards. And I'll give the dealer a wink, and I'm sure that's going to invoke another eye roll. Uh, yeah, uh, the dealer uh, gives you an eye roll, but I think Levine sort of just another coy, like, foot along your calf press. Okay, all right. And a smile over his drink. Are my legs long enough to accidentally play footsie with the ogre? Probably not, but God, Uh, (laughs) that would be funny. That'd be such a kit thing to do, too. Sure, sure, you could play footsie with the ogre. Okay, no, on accident. Like, I was going to do a footsie back thing at some point, but just miss and find the ogre. So Tom looks at Gordon. He points to your piles, like, and points to the fact that he still has chips. We got this, Gordon. We got this. Yeah, come on, Gordon. In fact, okay. Wait a little longer, because I feel like this one's going to go to the stunning creature next to me here. It's just it's just a feeling. And that's where the foots, the missed footsie is going to come into, by the way. On cue, on stunning creature. Levine gives you a look, and then the ogre sort of sits up straight <laughs> and sort of peers around Levine. <laughs> oh, my, apo- my apologies, pal. I was, uh, that was not where I was aiming. Not that I'm disappointed. 
and Levine bets a healthy amount, more than he was before. Not, not so much that you would consider that a real risk. And you use favored fate, and the cards come up 17. And Levine sort of leans back in his chair and goes, apparently you are a lucky cat. Quick sidebar. So I'm assuming the dealer's busting or whatever during this too, because you're only giving out one. Yeah, the dealer is busting. Okay, all right. Just just clarifying. Uh, I, okay, so apparently I'm a lucky cat. Oh, you have no idea. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, Tom, it's time. I'm going to give him just a, a genuine smile. Go ahead, buddy. This one's yours. Gordon is sort of sitting there watching you with his arms crossed and is like unfucking comfortable. But Tom is like, all right, lucky cat time it is, and puts the rest of his chips in. All right. And Gordon just sort of rolls his eyes. So I'm going to use it, but this time on the dealer to ensure the dealer's success. Okay. Tom busts and busts hard. Go ahead and make a perception check. Okay. Three. Levine should have busted as well. Okay. Kit's good enough at, at blackjack and is has worked the casino long enough to know that there's a rhythm to the cards and you put the glamour in. So everyone at the table should have lost, but Levine didn't. It wasn't a big win, but he should have lost. And Levine just sort of looks at you over his glass and goes, I guess you're a black cat too with bad luck. Oh, it comes and goes. I'm going to keep keeping an eye on Tom and an eye on Levine, because I know one of those two is going to start moving very soon. Tom sort of gets up and is starting to make moves toward you, and, like, Gordon is pushing him back. Lost is fine, and he's like, he's a cheat, and he's a scoundrel, and mark my words, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. That's adorable. You're so cute. Oh my god. What are you, like 15? I think Tom gets red at that. He's like, I think he just splutters, tries to like shove his boyfriend, but I come and punch you. Okay. How does that work for him? Uh, let's see. You have a def- Are you full defense right now or just normal defense? Because you see it coming. Normal. I see it coming by normal defense because I'm worried about the full defense now that I I know there's something up with the bean. I'm keeping a lot of focus there as well. He manages to touch you. Not do any damage, but sort of like just in the shoulder. Gotcha. I think when he does that, he sort of also body checks Levine a little bit. (laughs) Okay. Levine spills his drink down the front of his shirt. It's like... Oh, hey, okay, all right, all right. Uh, hey, uh, you want to get your little guy out of here? He's starting to cause a scene, and I, now I'm going to have to clean that off of them. So, I mean, that's not necessarily a negative, but he should probably go anyway. The ogre, the ogre that, you, that you're now also noticing is not dressed as fancily as Levine, but your background knowledge of how, like, the different fae factions work realize that the ogre might be a bodyguard to Levine. There's just a very large hand that sort of grabs Tom by, like, his arm. You don't touch him. And Levine's like, well, then that is a perfectly good spoiled gown. (sighs) That's all right. Let me, uh, things got a little hot here. Why don't we, uh, go take a quick walk to cool off? 
Well, I was going to do at least a couple more hands, but he gathers up his chips and into a, into a tray. Carlisle and the ogre grunts. If you could assist with security and take them away, that would be magnificent. The ogre grunts. At this point, I think probably, probably Dawson just out of nowhere just sort of appears looking all official and like wearing probably something that says like actually security on it okay. uh, versus what Kit is wearing, which is sort of more blending in with the patrons. Right. It's like, if you gentlemen would follow me... It's time to put you all in the penalty box. I hope no one snickers at that at all. Doesn't even react. No eye rolls, no nothing. Just, Dawson, come on, you can do better. I'm not going to say that because I don't want to blow cover, but. And, and Levine is just very artfully putting away all of the chips he's won into a box and closes it. It doesn't seem to be one of the chip boxes from the Gambler's Den casino. It seems to be made of a much darker wood with almost, with almost like a bit of starlight sort of around the edges. And when Levine closes the box, it sort of seals magically and it looks like one solid piece of wood. Okay. All right. I have an idea of how I want this to go next. So I'm going to uh, nod in the direction and go, how about that walk? I'll, uh, maybe I'll buy you another drink. Make up for uh, this whole mess. I'd like that. All right. He sort of links up arm in arm with you. In your earpiece, you can hear Coombs whistle. I love to watch you work, but I'd love to see you go. In my head, I'm thinking, we'll work on that phrasing, McCombs. Because <laughs> that's... Uh... All right. So I'll sort of lead... Lead Levine, you know, kind of in the direction of the bar, but also kind of in the direction of, a, you know, there's a quiet area there. Then at one point, I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to do this. I'll uh, kind of reach, you know, we're already kind of linked arms, but I'll, you know, kind of gently take Levine, I guess, by the hand. And if they respond by starting to take back, I'll kind of do a gentle spin and do one of those, uh, I guess, sexy pin up against the wall things. And just, I guess, one, see how they react. But I, it's, I'm get very much at least attempting to give off the vibe of playful sexiness and not uh, right. trapping. Levine leans into it. The way, the way you sort of spin him around and, and push him against the wall, like, he should have dropped the box. But, like, it mm-hmm. seems to be not there. Okay. You didn't even notice where the box went. Okay. And uh, he sort of he sort of arches into it and goes, "Well, I thought we were going for a walk." I'm gonna respond with, "Maybe." I just uh, we got three quick questions for you. Oh. I'm just gonna eye, eye contact with a very very sexy smirk on. Go. Are you interested? I think Levine sort of uses his foot to trace up back up your leg again. Goes depends on what's offered. Question two: Are you ready? As I'm, I'm starting to lean in after that one, but I'm waiting for a response still. He looks up over his glasses and goes, yes. All right. And then I'm leaning into his ear and beginning to whisper now. Last question. Mm-hmm. Why did you have to steal from my fucking casino? And now we get to roll for initiative. All right. Four. All right, Levine goes first. Are you using your strength to hold him against the wall, or are you using sort of clever body light? Like, basically, the question is: Are you using your strength or your dex? You it's dex because I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was completely selling out on the trying to trick them at aspect, so I wasn't actually pinning them down with any strength. It was all playful. Got it. 
Okay, so roll Dex Athletics. Three. Two. Hot damn, can Levine somehow get his legs up way farther than is humanly possible, but you manage to keep him against the wall for at least a moment. And sort of all of the flush, like attraction blush turns cold as like, there's just a little bit of anger, mm-hmm. but not so a how, lot of anger. How did these legs go up exactly? What he attempted to do was hook one leg over your shoulder to sort of flip you around onto the floor. Okay. But you, you managed to sort of like lean into it so when he yeah yeah okay that's kind of what i thought because kit's response to that is going to be almost like a sigh god damn you make this hard so levine's did hook over the shoulders and try to like flip you but then you sort of flipped him back and so now the two of you are like yeah no I, i know exactly what it is this would be incredibly sexy if it wasn't me trying to stop this person from leaving the casino Right. Uh, which is a which is a bummer. I just I guess I'm gonna say into the microphone. Uh, anytime, you guys. This one's a handful. As I'm going to guess, use my body weight to continue leaning forward, both trying to pin them harder, while also, you know, the unintended consequence of getting closer to this creature. Yeah, Levine probably has striking looks four, but like presence three, so an effective presence of five. So he's very attractive. Yeah, yeah, no, and exactly. So I'm, I'm basically trying to do from whatever position hold the advantage I have while trying to pin my, uh, on my turn whatever it is to like hold or pin harder, basically gain an advantage. I think he's gonna he's gonna banter back. It's like it's just part of the job, doll. Then tries to break out again. Okay. Do, did I get any any kind of roll or thing on my action where I'm? Yeah, trying you're to... gonna we're gonna re we're 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 re-rolling. So go ahead and roll that Dex Athletics again because we're contesting. Okay, I just I feel like I'm just letting them have two actions in a row versus doing anything on mine though. Oh, well, I guess that's fair. Okay, go if ahead. And... Some, well, my, but my action was an attempt to take what I had and gain a larger advantage. Okay. Like with a pin of some kind. I don't know if that actually gives me an advantage on my next roll, but that was the goal. Yes, because you beat him by one, so get a Dex Athletics plus one. Plus one. All right, and then on my okay, I got you. So we'll do it yep. that way then. Oh, what happens if you succeed so well that it just ends the fight right here? Like how many successes? We're looking at six. Sweet Jeebus. I had three tens on that roll, so. I think, yeah, no, that's, that's, okay. Tell me how you hold Levine down until backup arrives. Let's see. So Levine's already got a leg over my shoulder and I'm leaning forward to pin. So I guess what I would do is I would take an arm and in like kind of a swift action, wrap around shoulder neck area and kind of spin myself. So now I'm kind of gripping from behind and doing just the full hold, like choke like the body choke from behind thing uh just as a way to you know make it so that there's no, instead of giving them no opportunity to escape until they arrive right levine struggles but you have them you have them firm you have a couple moments before backup fully arrives what do you say to him i'm gonna say so do you mind if i uh come visit you once this all gets sorted out or did i just ruin this year well kit It's not short for anything. I'm pretty sure you won't be able to see me again. Then why is that? Because there's a war, Kit. There's a war coming, and my mistress has no use for those who fail her. 
you can stay here. I've got I've got a little bit of a pull, I guess. Okay, hold on. I have to make a roll for him. His entire body at this point has been like just entirely on. And then just as you whisper that into the back of his ear, he sort of relaxes like a breath of air just escaped out of him. And he just sort of relaxes into the hold. Okay. I so desperately want to right now. Then do it. Run away with me. Well, I guess run away to me here. He starts to say something, and then the Vixen walks around the corner with Coombs. And as soon as he sees Vixen, every part of him is just on edge again, and and every muscle sort of tightens. No, 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 no. It's okay, it's okay. I'm with her. She sort of looks at the two of you and goes, Congratulations on your hunt, kitten. You seem to have caught the prey. Mm-hmm. It's a good one, right? Look at him. Just look at him. My heart's still racing. And it's been like half an hour. Levine goes into custody. He gives you this one last look of, I want to, I want to go with you, but I also want to live. I also, like, there's, there, it's this very mixed emotional feeling. And that's the last time you saw him for now. Damn it. I'm going to, I guess before the scene ends, I'll just uh, ask Vixen. So, uh, any chance you could uh, use a little of that clout you have to make sure that he's okay? And uh, and uh, maybe finds his way back to my bedroom sometime? I, if you approve, of course. I, but, I mean, did you see him? <sighs> make me a perception check. Two. She's worried. She's looking at the floor. She's looking at the people who just got apprehended. She's listening to you, but she's also her mind is kind of looking elsewhere as well. Is everything uh, all right? We have to be prepared, kitten. We have to be prepared. Yes, always. Memories are strange. You don't always know what is going to go with it when when you give someone a memory. Sometimes th- th- you always give more than you think you're going to give, but you weren't just trying to give me one memory. You're you're pretty clever, kid. Uh, yeah. Um, he looks he looks at the memory. Yeah, there was a lot that I was trying to give you, so someone else wouldn't have it. I, uh, I imagine you've got some questions. I don't know how much I can actually answer, but, uh, I can give it my best shot. The mirror skinned before you, again, looks mm-hmm. remarkably nervous about all this. I kind of, I, I frown a little, and I'm like, why? Why, why did you give me all of this? Because they are more important. Because I couldn't let them get hurt. They are my everything. And if my memories got into the wrong hands, they and everyone else at Crossing, I couldn't let that happen. I took a bet and I think my gamble paid off. At least I'm hoping it did. I don't actually know. 
I nod. I'm like, I'm on my way to crossing. That's good. Um, I don't really look happy to see him. Kristoff is getting that that distinct <laughs> feeling. He's like pulling at his collar. Um, there's a there's maybe more to this. You should see, but before you actually get there, because I imagine they're not going to really get why you've come, and uh, you should probably have that warning before. I'm, I, I'm going to have to tell Aunt that you're dead, and I, I don't know what they're going to say. Uh, it's not just Aunt. Let me, um... The memory seems to, like, fast-forward really fast, and then Mm -hmm. it's the same night, and you're walking through Crossing. Much of this tiny little town is really banged up, destroyed. There are some of the different townsfolk starting to, to put together the tiny little buildings that they have, and it looks like this isn't the first time this has happened. It certainly won't be the last And you sort of nod at the different people and sort of walk up to one of the slightly more complete tent-like buildings, and you hear two voices coming through the very thin doors. And you know the voices. The first one is lower. We can't face many more of these. This is just not going to work, says Bo. I I know, but... Who who would we send? Who would we send to gather the information that we need? Would we send Velvet? No, we need her here. What about JJ? Would stick out with like a sore thumb, says Haley. And you walk through the door, and now Crunch kind of has a moment where they and Kristoff see Bo Bright and Haley O'Connor for the first time. Bo Bright stands and turns and looks at you, a tall African-American woman with these beautiful box braids that are just rainbows incarnate with a pair of uh, holographic cuffs that you know is part of her warrior's gear. She's, if not, you're not blood, but you might as well be siblings the way you act. Reflections of each other, one mirror skin and one polychromatic. And then you see the last member of your motley, one Haley O'Connor, tall and lithe, the body of a dancer, and, well, if you weren't into Ant, Haley O'Connor certainly is one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen. Her hair drapes down, nearly touching the floor, as two comet tails. But for the most part, she seems to just dress as plainly as possible to hide the fact that Arcadia has sort of shifted her into this light. They look up to him, to you, concerned. And Kristoff says, I'll go. You need someone to sneak into Knox's camp. That's what's happening, isn't it? You can't send someone else. They're gonna get spotted. I'm gonna have to go. And both of them are, both of them, their faces just fall because they both know that would work. Kristoff's the mirror skin. Kristoff's the winter court. He would be able to hide and get the intelligence that they would need to protect Crossing. 
Kristoff's own heart falls and you feel it in his chest. Ant's never going to forgive them for this. Presupposition to this scene is that this is set during the manic time, during the honest in your in your durance at the honest gambler's den. The stakes seem higher. There's an un, an underlying current of anxiety. Everything is pushed to twelve. Vixen has stopped leaving the casino. Fights breaking out all the time, every day. And Kit gets into one of these fights and is basically cornered by multiple opponents. Right as, very similarly to as he first met Vixen, as Kit is blacking out, he just sees this warrior Kitsune just bristle up in anger and start taking people out as you, as you black out. When you come to, you find yourself in Vixen's private quarters. Not many have these private spaces of self-expression sort of tucked away from the busyness of the casino of the Gambler's Den. Vixen's private rooms are sort of, they have small knickknacks on shelves, a couple of books, a small older looking record player just quietly playing in the background and you're sort of very lovingly tucked into the bed with with bandages around your chest as you as you take a breath in and oh yeah no that's a broken rib and you look over and you see in 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 a like sitting sort of sideways on this in this on on this nice green wing-backed chair. Vixen is reading a book. Her hair is, seems to be damp from a shower. She's wearing very loose-fitting clothing, and she's sort of very focused on, on, the, on the book she's reading. So Kit will uh, attempt to sit up, which will go poorly, and he'll be like, hey, oh, mm, mm, uh, fancy meeting you here. She'll close the book kitten kitten your your ribs are broken please don't and she she turns and you see her you see her all over her face at this point she has does not look terribly worse for wear but she she's sporting a pretty nice shiner on the side of her face she puts down the book she was reading on the nightstand and it's like hey hey no kitten broken ribs no no no, no, I reach a hand out towards the side of her face that has the bruise, and I'm, no, what, what happened? Are, are you, mm, are you okay? She leans into the hand and sort of kisses your palm and goes, I am so much better than you or your attackers, kitten. She reaches up and pats sort of around your, your ears. Are, are they dead? Because if not, I got... I gotta go kill him. I gotta go do it. I'm gonna attempt to sit up even more, you know, much to my body's dismay here. Yeah, she sort of very gently presses you back into the pillows. They're being handled, kitten. Not harshly enough. How could... How could anyone do anything to a face like yours? She kisses you on the top of your forehead and goes, I will take any mark that I need to, to make sure that you don't get hurt. But you need to take better care of yourself because I won't always be around. Oh, I know. I 
I almost had them too. It's just there were seven of them, and that was never gonna that was never gonna go well, which I'm starting to realize. She nods. Yeah, no, she 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 nods, and she actually like leans back, sitting on the bed. The world is getting harder, kitten. There are things going on that I'm trying to protect you from, but I don't know for how much longer I can. So I need you to be more careful, kitten. And she looks she looks at you again. I mean, I can't I can't say no to you. I I will try my best, but you you have to do the same. She laughs at that. She stands up and and walks across the room, pulls off two things from one of the shelves. She's like, "One of these I was I was going to give you before all of this happened." And then one of these is sort of well, spoil of war. And she sort of takes a moment to think about that and then sits back down on the bed. And the first thing that she pulls out is this will be the first time Kit sees it, but the second time our listeners will see it or hear it, is a golden chain. She holds it between her hands, sort of caressing the chains, going, this is, this is my promise to you that I will protect you as much as I can for as long as I can because you're my kitten and I don't want anything bad to happen to you. Oh, I bet you say that to all the cats with three shattered ribs. <clears throat> she laughs and sort of leads over, is still still running her hands over the chains. No, no kitten, you're special. Sometimes I don't want to say that, but you are special. And she leans over and puts the necklace around your neck and kisses you. This is my promise, kitten. This is my promise to you that I will protect you no matter what. The other present I have for you is probably more to your liking than promises of oaths of fealty. And she pulls around a very nice bottle of whiskey and two glasses. I got this on my last excursion before all of this madness happened. I was wondering if you would share it with me. I'd share anything with you, especially my second favorite thing in the world. She pours two glasses and goes, second favorite? Well, yeah, I'm looking at my first. I think Vixen is not usually the kind to blush. She's usually very stoic, usually on top, in charge, ready to go. She's a warrior. She's a fighter. She's the second in command here at the gambler's den so she's not usually the one to sort of bend into the softness um she sort of splutters when when you say that into her drink is maybe a little well maybe a little pink in the cheeks that tongue of yours is going to get you into trouble one day kitten it already has but it also got me here and i wouldn't i wouldn't rather be anywhere else i think she takes your hand and sort of kisses the top of it and thank you kitten no thank you
and then you're pulled back as the memory is then frozen again. And he he looks like a broken man in front of you. He does not want any of this to be something you had to see, but also fully realizes that if you didn't, you'd be walking into crossing. <sighs> I'm sorry, kid. I didn't. <sighs> this shouldn't have to be a cross you bear, but. I nod. I deserve that. Uh, I, so I sort of, I swallow and I'm like, I'm, you need me to finish your mission so that crossing isn't destroyed. And I wish, I wish you could have told me this, but there wasn't really any time. And cause I'm, I'm, I, I, I want, I, I'm doing, I'm do, I, I do this if, you, if you'd ask, I'd have done this if you'd asked, I think. Um, I just, I just sort of frown again. I took advantage of the situation. Yes, you, yeah. I know. And there's a part of me that's gonna hate that about myself, but there's also the part of me that's the spy, kid. Wait, wait, gonna hate you? I thought that you're- I thought you were dead. How- how are we talking? And I sort of look around at- I assume I'm just sort of in an empty expanse with Kristoff and just sort of like, wait, what? Sometimes things in the hedge and sometimes things in your dreams are not always what they seem. Thank you for listening to Hedgedin, a changeling story. Local tornado resident Dan can be found on Twitter at Unreal Giraffe. Our cryptid cat does not have social media. We apologize. The wonderfully neat Vita can be found on Twitter at Green Bean Spirit. VJ can be found most places, including Twitter, as NW Fairy. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at HedgedInACS. Check out our website, HedgedInACS.com, for character sheets, future releases, and more. A special thank you to Dragon Scale patron Wolfganning Anderson for your lovely contributions every month. You can find links to our website, social media, Patreon, and Discord in our show notes. We would love if you could rate and review wherever you are getting this podcast. Every piece of glamour helps. Shows like ours survive on word of mouth, so please use the hashtag HedgedCast on your social media platform of choice. Thanks, and remember, stay weird. <laughs>